Greetings, people. Back by popular demand to answer some questions from viewers like you and also to talk about the six new pedals that we just launched in June of 2022 is our co-founder and chief sound designer, Pete Selly, otherwise known as Heisenberg or Walter White. And yes, this is episode two of the Stridecast. Okay, guys. So thank you. Welcome back. Uh, two things to note uh, as a reminder from the first episode, the email address to use if you want to um, contact us and ask us questions that we might be able to answer on a subsequent episode. The email address is strycast at stryman.net. And you might remember from the first episode that there was a phone number you could call. Well, we never used that phone number, so they took it away. So uh, at, at a later date, if it becomes really you know, if a lot of people are wanting to be able to call and leave messages and ask questions and that kind of stuff, we can make another number. But for now, maybe we'll just stick with the email address, strycast at stryman.net. So uh, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, our guest today is none other than uh, co-founder and chief sound designer, Pete Selly. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Pete Selly to the show. I'm sorry. Very nice. Just, yeah, thank you. Thank you. you. You can't give a child a toy. I'm sorry. You just, you can't give a kid a toy. Anyway, so welcome. Um, I think that a lot of the comments that people made, uh, you know, that we were looking at on, on the videos when we launched the new pedals were sort of like, A, who the heck is this, you know, old gray guy? You know, who's, who's the Sean guy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And where's Heisenberg? People want their Walter White and they want their, but, you know, in all seriousness, I think one of the things that, that is really unique about Strymon and about you definitely is that people really are interested to know what you think and, and how you feel about stuff. And so I'm really excited that you're going to get a chance to talk about the new pedals. So we've got all six sure. new pedals uh, in a pedal board and we're going to basically be able to talk through your thoughts on them, I guess. What's the signal chain? How are we doing this today? We're going uh, straight uh, front to back uh, in order here. Deco, El Cap, Lex, Dig, Flint, Blue Sky, into Iridium. So everything is before the amp. Gotcha. Okay. So Iridium set pretty clean, I would imagine. Yes. Um, and everything. So it's stereo, you know, mono into deco and then it's stereo output feeds, stereo, 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 all the way through, through the entire path. So where would you like to start? I mean, like basically some of these pedals have existed in the market for a while and they have legions of fans worldwide. And, and the conversations about uh, much of this stuff happened before I got to Strymon. So what was the thought process about, you know, doing this in the first place? Well, we, we did want to keep the general DNA in the, um, you know, of the pedals, because as you say, many of them have, you know, built a, a following and, um, I'd say maybe have become classics in the marketplace in certain instances. And, um, what we did want to do is to update them to bring them, um, you know, current in terms of, uh, uh, technical features such as, you know, MIDI and presets and those things. Right. And then also bring some new things to the table for each of the, the pedals. But again, keeping in mind the, the DNA in the, you know, the, the fundamentals of the original pedal. So, um, pretty much, I think any sound you could get on the old pedals, you can get on the new pedals as well. Um, and then even more, you know, other options or, or controls available as well. So the idea was to kind of refresh and, and update and, and add um, some sonic variation and then uh, a lot of uh, features that are, you know, valuable and useful to the working musicians. Why don't we start from the first pedal and just sort of talk about what you thought about and how we did things. All right. So yeah, uh, Deco, we, um, we added a tone control, which is, you know, a useful addition. Um, the, before it was this, you know, there was a kind of a high and low trim as a secondary, but having a tone control on the surface, especially where you're talking about, you know, a tape saturation process, um, it just allows you to dial in very quickly. We also in increased the range so that the tone knob on the new Deco you know, surpasses the amount, the range of trim that was available on the, uh, on the original Deco. Is it post the saturation or pre the saturation? It's, it's post. Okay. Yeah. Post, 
post saturation. So if you kind of crank it up, then you can kind of really tailor the, the harmonics of the, of the high end there. So, you know, that was, um, you know, kind of a, a, an easy way to say what, you know, how can we make this more accessible and a better user experience, user experiences with the tone knob. And then, um, because of the layout and the symmetry was okay we can go from the original deco was one switch like if we had another switch what are we going to do and this was a, a fun one um to come up with this cassette voicing that uh is inspired by um you know the old uh three head cassette decks and josh has got a couple of the old morantz decks and he nice. brought them in and um you know they have the uh um, alc the uh, auto level control and it's it's really a a variable uh, compressor to, you know, kind of print the, the uh, strongest signal onto the cassette tape because you don't get a lot of, you know, uh, physical media to, to, to work with there. So it's kind of like pre-DBX, pre-Dolby, kind of uh, sort of like pre-processing to try to stuff as much stuff onto the tape as you could? Exactly, yes. And, um, you know, it's interesting because, and you can, because it's a three head, it's got a separate record head that you can, you can monitor the record head. So, you can listen to the signal that's getting, that's going to be printed onto the tape. And, you know, as you turn this auto level, it was a switch, you know, on or off. Um, it really had the, uh, gives you the sensation that it's, it's also shaping the sound tonally and it's not, it's really just the, I mean, it's doing it dynamically, uh, you know, through, you know, compression and, and, and auto gain techniques, it just essentially changes the balance from the, you know, attack and the sustain and, and it gets fatter and punchier, but it's not, it's not actually rolling off any high end or anything like that, but you get the sensation that it's like, oh, it's fatter. And when I think fatter, I always think like someone's, you've increased the mid range at the expense of the other frequencies or, or whatever it is, but it's like, no, it's actually still flat. The parts of it that are, you know, kind of multi and dynamic are really uh, just a matter of how the signal is also being um, pre-processed from, uh, um, you know, pre-emphasis and, you know, things like that. But the auto level circuit itself is, you know, kind of a, a wide band uh, okay. process, but it effectively kind of fattens things up in a nice way. Um, and I, I can uh, play that here. It's always interesting in a situation where you're playing a recording because it's all, it's a feel thing. That's, that's where you really, that's where it happens first is, is you feel it and you respond to it when you're listening to it, you know, from a, from a, a you know, an external audio, it, it may not be as dramatic as it feels when I'm playing it, but sure. it is actually quite, uh, quite effective. So uh, here's my dry tone. We're in classic mode now. So if I play like a, some, you know, kind of staccato punchy notes, and then go to cassette. I mean, I'm not sure how much that translate it does there's more sustain so you can tell that because it's because there's a dynamic process in there you've lengthened the the actual length of the note but it does feel as well like the the transient's fatter sounds like it right yeah exactly and that's um kind of the the cool thing about it and to me like it gets a, a little addictive like you keep it on and then you, you know you play and it's cool and then you turn it off and, and it's like whoa what happened um and one of the ways also to look at it like if i if i play loud Oops, uh, well, okay. If I play play loud uh, in cassette mode or strum the strings, you know, uh, strongly, and then go to classic mode, they're roughly the same level here. It looks like classic's still a little bit, just a, a probably a couple of dB hotter there. But if I play softly. See how much compression yeah. is happening there. So it, it really is, you know, that's the whole idea of the auto level control is um, there's not, you know, because of the signal to noise of the cassette tape, you want to you want to print this, you know, high and, and uh, 
you know, not, not be fighting against that. So, um, you know, it's, it's a compression uh, process that is a variable slope compressor that approaches limiting at the, at the extremes, but um, it just really kind of creates a, a, like a, a different, you know, dynamic vibe that, that I really like. And, um, you know, I spent a lot of time playing around with it in, in cassette mode. It seems like too, that, that in cassette mode and in, and saturation mode too, and the classic mode, it's a tape based sort of behavior, but mm-hmm. it, what's cool about it for me is that you have the opportunity to get extreme amounts of tape based behavior into your guitar sure. tone and use it like a drive pedal where, right. where the drive, you know, in cassette mode, you know, also the drive has a dynamic element to it. It's, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a dynamic drive, not just a static amount of gain that you're placing after right. something. So it's a definitely a very different feel and it's, it's really cool for some things, man. It's, it's, it's you're right. It's yeah, addictive. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's, uh, you know, the idea behind it and yeah, you know, the, the saturation, um, you know, from when we made the original deco, the idea is like, you know, this would be a lot more fun if we go, you know, we take these principles of saturation of a tape and then just, kind of keep adding some more gain uh, to it and it, yeah, let you get into, um, you know, overdrive uh, amounts of, of gain and not just, I mean, cause let's face it, you know, even when, if you're, you're pegging the meters on a view, it's like, you're not, um, I mean, unless you're overload, unless you're clipping, you know, a stage coming after it or whatever, uh, the, the tape saturation, you're not going to, you're not going to use that like as a, as a tube screamer or something, but right. with, in a pedal, you can do that because you don't have the limits of, you know, you can just keep, uh, keep going. So that's what we did. That's the idea. And then the double tracker side is, um, is the same double tracker side that we know and love. But that's also one of my favorite, uh, Kind of, you know, getting a, a stereo uh, kind of tape chorus with the with the bounce mode is. So that's also in cassette mode. So it's kind of it's got this nice kind of polished uh, finish to it. So that yeah, that's uh, that's Deco. Um, got the cassette mode. I guess just to um, not clarify, but I mean, I think some people might have had the expectation that cassette mode would become some sort of lo-fi, you know, something that, um, uh, you know, it's not like a cassette has a, you know, 3K bandwidth or something. So, um, you know, we we focused on that auto level control because it seemed like a, you know, a, a neat feature that could really, you know, bring something to Deco. So um, if you want to truly mangle something, one of the bigger trifecta pedals with the destroyer or sure. one of the filter Absolutely. things makes more sense yeah, you- than... You know, because also there's not a lot of control on Deco. So if you wanted to just, you could have a preset that would be like, beat the hell out of my tone right now, thank you. But there wouldn't be a lot of control over it, you know. Right, exactly. So, um, yeah, so that's where we ended up on Deco. Um, now, next in liners, El Cap, which, uh, again, we uh, kept all the, uh, the sonic DNA of El Cap and um, took the spring, which was originally a secondary, and gave it its own knob. But the important part of that was it's not only its own knob it's um it's independently its own knob so that it it doesn't rely on the setting of the mix which is on the original l cap um mixes mix so it doesn't matter if you turn the spring level all the way up it's still now going to follow the mix and if mix is at zero you have no spring you could never get reverb and no delay before right there was no way correct right yeah and and, in the grand scheme of thing because it was tied to the mix so as you're turning the spring up you're turning the delay up um you know, you could definitely, you know, add some, uh, you know, some vibe to the to the repeats with, with the spring, but it really was not user intuitive to try to like dial something in because it'd be like, okay, I got to set this at the secondary and now I'm going to go back to the mix. And now wait, is that too much spring? I have to, let me move the spring back. And is that where I wanted my delays? And so, um, and then the other part of that uh, is just on these new pedals, which is how we've, been doing it for a while now how you how you work the secondaries is uh, a much nicer experience now so when you, you enter edit mode and everything's it's live edit so the pedal becomes uh, in edit mode and you can play and turn and, and audition and, and continue to turn whereas um 
in the old ones you had to press down both and then so you're you're using both hands and you're turning something and then you've got to let go and then so um you know just again bringing those pedals and features up to kind of you know current day specs and expectations so here's l cap let's see what we got here we're on fixed b uh same old fixed b we know and love well i'll, I'll get into the secondary just to show you kind of how easy it is to you know experiment i'm gonna i'm gonna you know play around with the low end here which is underneath the tape age so that's full low end low end yeah so I, this is you know just very simple operation to kind of put it where you want and um you know not have to kind of fight with the pedal so um and then you're back out of secondaries here. But uh, with the spring, with its secondary, or I mean, with its primary uh, knob position here, it's really easy to kind of, you know, play around and, and get a little bit of, you know, extra dimension to the repeats. And when, you, when you've got levels like that, it doesn't... I don't know that you'd be thinking about there's a reverb going on there. Maybe. But when you turn it off, it's it. But you can see, you know, you can just, you know, dial it in even lower than it was before. You know, when you wet something down, you're basically moving it back in the mix. And when it's really, really dry, you're sort of like it's it's up front and in your face. So the fact that you've got a little bit of reverb in there, it actually helps distance it a bit from the actual guitar sound, which is and cool. It it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, of course, you can keep going. And if you turn the mix down, now you just you've got a, a spring. So it's it's truly a you know a two uh, in one pedal or a delay in uh, reverb. And the the spring is the same uh, spring algorithm we used in the original. Uh, L cap and um, that is inspired by like the old uh, Roland Space Echoes had a reverb control. So they had a, a small, not particularly like, you know, high fidelity reverb tank in there, but it, it really matched well with the, the vibe of the, um, of the, you know, tape uh, repeats. So that was, that was what we uh, were kind of like going after for the, for the spring was get that kind of, it's not um, particularly bright, but it's just got kind of that, uh, you know, the vibe that would, you know, be captured or, or go along with the uh, the tape echo experience. So everything else on L cap is the same. So like, uh, you know, the the selections and the um, the algorithms. So you know, if if you liked uh, old L cap, you'll like new L cap. But now with the ability to get. Uh, yeah, you can get. So before we move on, Pete, maybe we should sort of talk about, I guess we didn't really talk about the JFET input because it seems like that is um, a major change. I mean, we've always had JFET inputs, but this is now discrete. So, you know, what is the benefit from that kind of circuit? Well, it, uh, it came about actually, I think uh, we first... Uh, developed it for the uh, Sunset and Riverside Overdrive, where we were um, using it as a, an analog drive stage to work in, in conjunction with the DSP. So as you turn the drive knob up, you're actually, you know, driving the circuit uh, uh, harder in sending a, you know, kind of a pre-analog distorted signal into the DSP. Um, but we found that um, just the basic architecture of the circuit um, you know, even without running the thing into clipping with a lot of gain, um, just had a really, uh, really good feel, um, to it, just the responsiveness. Um, it just seemed to really, uh, kind of pair with the, uh, with the guitar input, um, you know, even better than, uh, the previous, um, uh, circuit, which was an op amp based, um, uh, input buffers. Well, as, as I've given these demonstrations to various people in person, um, the, the response has pretty universally been, 
as I'm just playing through the effects and describing changes, uh, I've been usually people will stop me and say, uh, is it, is it me or do they just sound better? And I say, it's not you. They, they do sound better. I, I mean, I notice a difference, you know, when I play them, it's just like, there's just a kind of a connection and a responsiveness that, um, I think is just, you know, an improvement over the, over the original circuit. So yeah, we're, we're happy with it. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I was going to ask you about this because if you think about what you do and the internal guts of all this stuff, the sound design stuff, if you equate that to being a musician or a, or a, a film director or an actor or something like that, you know, lots of people make a record and then never listen to it again. The process mm -hmm. of making it was plenty enough for them. Thank you very much. Sure. Or actors that make a movie and then never watch it again. Have you had fun sort of rediscovering the pedals? Because I'm sure you probably haven't played with them in a while. You're always working on the next thing, you know? Sure. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was um, it was pretty cool to to kind of get back and then you know have them in front of me and, and um, you know as I'm working on them to also experience again for the first time in a long time you know playing through many of them because it, it is true you, you know you you work on it you're you know hopefully proud of the work you've done and and, and hope people are gonna you know think it's worthwhile um, yeah and then you're on to the next thing and. Uh, usually I find that whatever I'm working on is usually enough fun for me to play around with my guitar and, uh, or if it's a Euro rack or whatever it is, it's like, that's my musical outlet and expression as I'm working on these things. So I don't like, you know, as I was working on the, um, uh, star lab Euro rack, I didn't then say, Oh, I got, I haven't, I, I better play through all cap. You know, I mean, it, it just kind of wasn't in, in my flow right but now working on these again, having them all out, it, it, you know, I've, I have not only rediscovered, but then also really appreciate the benefits of, of the new pedals. It's, it's, you know, it really has been, you know, this, this board that we're looking at now is something I put together at home. Um, and, um, I kind of, it's always close by because I do find myself, you know, plugging in and, you know, putting on various combinations of them and, and, you know, kind of, becoming just a guitar player again. All right, so we just finished with LCAP. So where are we going after that? So now we got Lex. Um, and yeah, a lot of uh, uh, new additions to uh, Lex. One is the um, uh, the addition of the switches here is the, the front and rear, which was a secondary under, I believe it was the top knob on the original uh, Lex, um, where that goes from either, you know, if you look at, uh, Leslie as a piece of furniture, you know, you'd, you'd see this nice cabinet with louvers. Um, and that's what we call the front. But the way it's more traditionally used is it's turned around and you have the the open back where you can see the, the rotating horn and, and, and usually that's what's mic'd, but it doesn't have to be. So we've got, you know, the variations of either front or, or rear. They're used for different reasons too. I mean, like they're definitely like, I know guys that will mic the louvers because mm -hmm. it diffuses the power of the horns a bit. So if you want it to sure. be like a more of a pad and you don't want to hear yeah. the crispness of that rotor going yeah, around. The, then Yeah. And that's, that's the idea between, uh, of the front and rear switch and that in the, the original Lex, the factory default shipping was the, the rear, you know, unlouvered, uh, section but so we got front and rear and then um the ramp switch was also a secondary um uh, on the original lex but um we just kind of made it a simple three position how fast you want to transition between the slow speed and the fast speed when you hit the foot switch so slow medium and fast um well we had a, an interesting question about that on a on a youtube comment or something and it was sort of like oh well um someone talking about why do you have multiple ramp speeds because multiple, you know, Leslie's don't have multiple ramp speeds. And it was sort of like, yeah, but a 147 doesn't sound like a 122, which doesn't sound like a 12H. You know, they're all ramp at different speeds because they've got mechanical issues. So, you know, it gives you a lot more options than just this is the 147 or this is the 152 or sure. 145. Or yeah, exactly. And then... Um, 122, sorry. And probably for, you know, a fair amount of guitar players who just like the sound of Leslie, then, you know, the, the actual speeds aren't, as important as I've got some variation to like, I just want it to go slow because I like when it goes, you know, slow, it's going to take, you know, it's really interesting how it kind of does its thing. 
Well, it is that sort of oblong thing, isn't it? It's sort of an out of round kind of feeling because the yeah, weight, yeah. the horns they, weigh nothing and the tub weighs a lot. So they do sort of do yeah, this weird. Yeah, they're going in, uh, yeah, in, uh, you know, completely different. Yeah, the, the horn's very quick to, to stop its its rotation and the, the drum has got a lot of inertia behind it. Yep. It's, uh, keeps moving. So um, all that stuff is, you know, taken into account and just run it uh, different uh, relative speeds through slow, medium and fast. Then um, we've got we've also added these two knobs here, which uh, really work in conjunction with the preamp drive to just set like the essential you know tonality and level the amount of distortion through the preamp. Um, now the ability to blend in the drive, which gives you you know a whole new range of, of uh, access to, to sound. So let's see. Uh, there's my dry signal again. So there's a uh, slow uh, rear with some dry signal in. There's your Pink Floyd. Yeah, oh yeah. I don't uh, I don't have any Pink Floyd songs under Neither my do ears, I. right? Neither do I. So um, if we bring the mic distance close, so we have a small uh, value for mic distance into the horn level up, it'll exaggerate, you know, now the mics are getting closer, the stereo field is going to be exaggerated as the as the horn sweeps by. Um, with some preamp drive, it might get kind of loud if we get the horn level up. So now we've got the volume control kind of at the ready to just uh, adjust that. So there you can hear especially here, the speakers are kind of wide set, so I mean, it's a very dramatic kind of sweep. But if I add the dry signal in, back, especially if I've got a little bit of a boost on that dry signal. That's awesome. So uh, without the dry, difference here and maybe just flying back a little bit with the drive. So you know there's there's a case where you're using a a short mic distance with a lot of horn level so you're kind of getting a, a, an exaggerated effect but you're now mellowing the effect by bringing the dry signal in so you know it's just a different type of uh you know way to uh, kind of doctor uh, the effect to say if you want the idea of that effect, but you don't want it to be as intense. You, the dry signal will allow you to do that. And then you can kind of just dial it all in uh, accordingly. Uh, I just want to say that that uh, there is, it is a stereo input. So like, I mean, right now it's mono because I'm just, I'm not running something. But if I had a ping pong delay in it, the left and right channel, you know, the stereo left and right channels into Lex are preserved. With the dry knob. Yes. Um, so, um, so we could also, uh, well, let's see if we go back just later. We bring the you know mic distance back and the horn level back. That'll also mellow out the fact the effect. So if I have a lot of dry signal, it's probably going to be a very subtle effect at this point. point is you know you can you can dial it in so that it's a you know very subtle to almost not noticeable effect but you know it's it's there yeah so yeah you get all the options now you can So 
that was the ramp down at medium speed, so you could hear the rotor kind of taking its time to get there. At the fast speed, it'll get there uh, quicker. Now slow will take its sweet time. You know, in terms of the ramping speed, I think you and I were talking about this a long time ago, and I remember something about you saying that the ranges uh, might be different or, or had been overlapped or something. Yeah, the an original Lex, there was a slow speed, which you could vary by a certain amount, and a fast speed, which you could vary by a certain amount, but there was a fair amount of space where the two uh, did not meet, and those are like considered to be kind of like non-Leslie uh, you know, rotation speeds, I guess. But uh, what we did on uh, the version two here is um, increase the range of the slow speed so that it actually meets up with the slowest range of the fast speed. So every LFO speed from the very slowest to the very fastest is available without any gaps. So yeah, you can get those kind of in-between speeds. Uh, like, so here, um, what do we got here? Let's see where we are. If I turn the speed up now on slow mode, so the, yeah, that kind of um, you know in betweenish uh, sound uh, speed you can you can get now where um, the original one uh, you uh, it, it would be substantially slower when you hit that. that top of the uh, range there. but that's kind of nice because now you get another you know thing to play with you could again add some dry in there and i mean you can do whatever you want but a little slow uh move the mic back and get just kind of a little mellow uh, you know kind of tremish vibrato maybe some more tremish if i have a mic uh lower uh shorter distance So yeah, that's again, you know, another range of sounds that were unavailable in the original and now, uh, you know, makes this, uh, makes Lex kind of a more kind of, you know, well-rounded and, uh, uh, you know, versatile modulation. Well, not only that, the new behavior of the speed knob is so much easier to deal with. Oh, right. Yeah. You can, yeah. When you're in, when you're in slow, it's, it's adjusting slow. And then if I go to the fast speed. Now it's adjusting the fast speed. So whichever switch on. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah, that's that. So um, oh yeah, the front. Uh, like the other pedals, the, the basic algorithms, um, you know, the underlying kind of DNA is, is the same. But now the, the versatility of uh, um, the extra control. But if you kept the dry off then everything you could any sound you wanted from the v1 is is here on on v2 just a lot more in addition to that so all right uh next up is dig all right i think one of the first comments on the, the video from launch was like oh my god you don't pronounce it didge and i was like ah. that seems so weird to say like out loud like didge it just seems yeah <laughs> I've, I've also heard uh you know, at the NAM show, some people I had the new ditch. It's like, and I understand. <laughs> yeah, you know, sure. Digital delay, it's digital. digital but, I get it. But, but yeah. it just seems if there's um, something weird about saying dig, it's I, dig. I'm with you on that. <laughs> it is a little, a little weird there. Um, so again, same, um, same good DNA. Uh, got all the, the you know, technical uh, MIDI updates and all that. Uh, again, with the the JFET front end, um, and then the. Uh, the sound, the basic algorithms are from the original uh, dig, and we've taken the tone knob and moved it primary, which is nice because it's to me it's a very important part of you know your delay, um, and to have it right there to make adjustments is uh, 
is uh, pretty handy. Um, so 2496, full resolution, full bandwidth, um, a little bit of dynamics to help the, you know, basically there's just ever so slightly uh, of a ducking uh, that happens, which is also part of the you know, the original uh, uh, dig algorithm for the 2496. It's so subtle that I don't think if I didn't mention it, I don't think people would be like queuing on it, but it's, um, I think it's subtle, like just in the right way. Dig just always sort of sounds right. Like there's something about anytime I turn it on, you think to yourself, oh, well, it's just a 2496 delay, but it's not. There's something about it that just sounds right. And sometimes it's those little baby, little bitty things, like some sort of companding or some sort of compression that just, it, 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 it right. just makes it nicer. Yeah. And, and it, you know, and it seemed like also back when we developed this, like it would fit the um, philosophy of the pedal to, to add a little something like that, as opposed to kind of just, you know, you know, kind of straight uh, 2496. Um, you know, in, in kind of keeping with the other two modes, which of course are from different errors, but have, you know, very different kind of sonic, you know, personality uh, based on the, the way that they were doing the conversion from analog to digital and stuff. So, um, so yeah, the, the ADM, um, me and uh, Matt have been talking about our favorite modes here. Uh, I think we're both kind of ADM guys, uh, yep. which adapt Delta modulation, which is, you know, a little bit obscure, but um, it really, uh, it's got kind of a dynamic uh, percussiveness to it. Its artifacts are really present on the attacks, which kind of gives it a little bit um, of that kind of percussive. What it's really doing is is distorting more on, on high, you know, attack transients. Whereas the 12-bit, um, especially when you're regenerating, um, you know, with longer repeats, you hear its effects happening, you know, as the as the repeats continue to regenerate the tail, it gets kind of warmer and smoother. So it, it, they're pretty different. Um, uh, in fact, we, you know, we, the, the original white paper uh, we did for the dig, you know, still holds true for, for this version. You know, the two different kinds of conversions are, um, uh, have a very different son sonic signature, even though they're digital delays, you know, but they, they have personality to them. So, I mean, if I just play something and let it ring for a second and then switch to the, uh, from ADM to 12 bit, you know, I think you'll be able to kind of just hear you know, kind of a difference in character. And we'll go to the 12-bit. Let's, let's, let's try this as, as an example to compare the two. Okay. Hugely different. Yeah. The regeneration of the ADM is getting lighter and less yes, dense, and the denseness of the twelve bit is increasing as it goes. So. Yeah, exactly. Because they're they're very very different um, the way they the way they you know treat the signal and, and what they actually store as a signal and how they retrieve it. So, um, all right. Uh, so here's the tone knob. We'll uh, I don't go back to twenty four ninety six to demonstrate that. It's easier to hear when I, when I, when I sustain the guitar, then you're hearing the dry signal kind of, so I'll do this with, uh, without sustaining the guitar. Just to, and to um, kind of, I guess, specify the tone knob uh, when it's going right. It's it's actually kind of a, a dual tilt where it's on the left half of the knob. You've got 
the low bandwidth is is full and it's reducing the high end so we'll again go to the extreme here so you, you know it just crashes down but once we get to 12 o'clock we're kind of full band and as we go further we reduce the low end and keep the high end at maximum so you can get lots of repeats uh, like if you really i've probably done this before in the demos go to uh the uh the golden ratio here you know because i really like using dig kind of as a ambient reverb in a sense uh and if you go for like the long repeats in the in the really uh washy uh actually i'll go to adm here for that adm um and go for the, the high repeats with uh, no bass. It really does show the delay lines are, you know, the basis behind reverbs. It's cool. That's uh... yeah definitely blurs the lines between the two types of effects doesn't it yeah yeah it uh you, you get them uh kind of working off each other and then they uh yeah they just continue to get more and more uh kind of dense as they build up so um so yeah the, the rest uh, of dig is is good old uh, good old dig another one that uh we uh, know and love here for some reason uh, unlike El Cap or um, maybe another type of tape-based delay where it's not necessarily always being used rhythmically, it might be using being used for vibe or, or texture or sure. something like that. It seems like Dig is definitely used rhythmically. And so, you know, especially because it's the easiest thing to get that House of Worship dotted eighth uh, on top of a quarter kind of sound. Um, mm -hmm. But as a result, because of that, people are really loving the MIDI clock sync because you have a, a device that's really used for the repeats. Like this is how you get eighth notes or this is how you get dotted yes, eighth. Yes. And the fact that you can lock that to clock now just means that it's just, it's so quick. Sure. It's so fast. Yeah. So yeah. it's cool. I guess uh, probably well uh, known to anyone who's watching this, but yeah, the, the MIDI control is not just 300 presets per, but it's like, you know, full automation MIDI, every knob and control is um, available to be changed with a you know, conti continuous controller and, you know, program change, all that kind of stuff. Um, so next up is Flint, sweet, which, uh, is the same. Oh, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I've not heard that from Flint before. I can't see your pedals, but I'm, I'm wondering uh, what do you did to Flint? <laughs> Easter egg, uh, <laughs> toggle the switches 10 times, uh, both anyway. So, uh, Flint, we, um, uh, we wanted to keep kind of mostly, uh, the same kind of outwardly, um, Flint is like, it's got a, a well-deserved and strong following. And we, we kind of like thought it's kind of really nice the way it is without, um, you know, trying to put something else in there that might, you know, ups upset people. In terms something. of the, in terms of the user interface, you mean, right. In terms of the interface. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so the, uh, it, it, the interface is the same. Um, one uh, place where we did make a change is in the uh, the tremolo speed. Um, I was hearing some old, I don't know if it was Ry Cooter or something, but uh, somebody, I don't know, recording with just like a really slow trem, like slower than I've ever been able to dial in on a, on a combo amp right. for sure. And it's like, wow, that's it's kind of cool, you know? Um, so we uh, took the, uh, the tremolo in, uh, in Flint and extended its uh, its speed range to uh, to go a much slower. aforementioned changes are are part of uh the new flint but uh yeah the uh all everything you know and love about uh flint is um 
still uh, alive and well. So. Still there. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I actually, uh, I knew a buddy in college that had a, a, an amp, and I'm trying to think what it was. It might have been like a Marlboro or something, like one of those weird, that was probably made by Airline or yeah, 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 yeah. one of those things. And it had an unbelievably slow trim on it. So maybe that oh, was, really? maybe that's where Rod got it. I don't know. I just remember those, those amps were like, like a, the Marlboro and the Silvertone. I think they were made by Airline or something. They were like old yeah, school. Yeah. I, uh, my bass, uh, the bass player I was hanging around with in high school had one of those. Uh, Mar- I, I, is, how do you pr- pronounce it? Mar- I, I thought it was like the cigarette. I don't know. Is it Marlboro? 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 It's Marlboro. Marlboro. I have no idea. I'm I just smoked, thought it was like, wasn't the same guy that wears the plaid shirt and smoked stuff? I thought it was the same yeah. guy, the Marlboro man. That's Marlboro. Marl's, I don't know. I oh, assume that they um, were trying to bogart the popularity of the cigarette, I assume. I've been told off camera that I forgot to mention the pre-delay control, which we added to uh, the reverb uh, section of Flint. So underneath the color knob is uh, a pre-delay adjustment and at 12 o'clock, it's set to the value that the original V1 flints were set to. Gotcha. Perfect. Perfect. Yep. That's a valuable add for something because, you know, a lot of people want to be able to adjust that stuff. So, and just like with, with many of our pedals, you know, there's reality in terms of, hey, this is how big this room really is. And then there's the ability to go crazy beyond it or crazy shorter. And we'll sure. give you both options. Yes. Yeah. And Blue Sky is no, no exception to that uh, philosophy. Oh, nice. Nice segue, Pete. That was good. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. So yes, Blue Sky, uh, we've uh, added extra control to give some more options and um, you know combinations that uh, were not available on the original Blue Sky. And uh, plate and room algorithms are the same as they were in the original Blue Sky, but the spring has been changed. The spring, um, uh, I just you know personally wasn't that pleased. Ultimately, you know given the course of time, you know, going back and looking at the, the spring reverb and blue sky, I thought it could be improved. So um, we kind of looked towards the algorithm that we implemented in big sky as a, you know, a basis to, uh, to create a spring for the blue sky. So the, uh, the spring algorithm, uh, in my opinion, has improved greatly here in blue sky. And we added, um, you know, we changed the, the way the shimmer works on the room and the spring um, in addition to being adjustable. So the blue sky's got a, a fair amount of uh, changes going on. But again, for the, the room and the plate tones on V1 are all available on V2. So I'll uh, kind of go through that here and show you how that works. So here we are on plate uh, with no modulation and no shimmer. Um, and this is basically the you know, plate sound from uh, the original. Again, with the, the JFAT input to you know, increase and improve the uh, responsiveness. Now on the V1, the switch would select between either mod or shimmer. And when you selected mod, it would go to what we were calling deep modulation on, on V2. Right. So this is a modulation where the signal feeding into the delay lines of the reverb, and re- reverb is really a big matrix of delay lines. At least that's one way to do it. That's the uh, plate algorithm here. And the modulation of the signal into those delay, li- delay lines in addition to the modulation of the delay lines themselves. So it, you get a very, um, what's a better word for in your face? Well, so, so basically like a pronounced uh, modulation effect. So, pronounced. so you've got, so, so you're modulating the input into the reverb and then you're modulating the reverb regen as well. So it's, it's doing a double, you right. wash all dry kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the, um, it's, so it's it, again, only the wet signal ends up being, modulated, but it's kind of modulated twice. One is heading into the reverb and then within the structure of the reverb as it, as it regenerates. Right. So you get a kind of um, yeah, pronounced uh, effect there by design. But 
you know, there's another um, kind of more subtle modulation of reverb, which is really nice to have. And that's where you're just modulating the, the delay lines of the reverb itself. You can create a little sense of movement. It kind of like, you know, uh, gives things a little more depth, but um, it's not as, uh, as pronounced. And so that's now the light uh, selection. So this was not available in the original uh, Blue Sky. So you can hear how it, you know, becomes much less chorusy, but still has. So that gives you another option to have some modulation and movement, but not quite, uh, you know, as kind of chorus verb uh, sounding, uh, essentially. And then on top of that, now we've got shimmer. So shimmer is available full time, so you can get modulation and shimmer. But even, I think, more important than being able to have them both on, which is nice, is just to be able to control the amount of shimmer because uh, a little bit can go a long way in, in some applications for sure. So. hear it in there if I turn it off. So that's where the original uh, Blue Sky... Um, yeah, and, and then you can add, you know, modulation with, uh, with the shimmer. Or light modulation. So all these options now are... Uh, you know, new sonic uh, possibilities by, you know, combining modulation and shimmer and varying amounts of shimmer. Uh, let's go to the, the room where, again, sa same thing holds true where the room, uh, there's a room with no uh, modulation. And when you went to the modulation setting on the original Blue Sky, it would take you here, which has a an intentionally uh, faster modulation. I thought it was kind of an interesting um, take on modulated reverb to, to give a little, you know, as a noticeable sense of, uh, of movement through an LFO that you can actually, you know, hear moving as opposed to kind of just, uh, you know, slowly uh, moving. But now in light modulation, um, we slow that down and also reduce the uh, amount of modulation. So you get a nice sense of movement there, but that's, you know, yeah, so another, you know, another set of uh, options. There's no modulation. Now the uh, shimmer has changed to be regenerative um, in the room, and I think it creates a much more kind of uh, atmospheric uh, result. So in the original Blue Sky, the shimmer was uh, two voices. Uh, one was an octave up and one was an octave and a fifth up. And they were being, uh, those voices were being generated and sent into the reverb. But on uh, version two here, we've uh, made that uh, process be regenerative within the uh, reverb uh, as it decays. So it creates a you know much more poshy kind of ambient uh, you know, pad, uh, like a sound that I think is, you know, really kind of lends itself for more musical applications and really kind of pairs nicely with the ability to adjust the amount of shimmer through the knob. So sure. That's cool.
so you can keep a bright reverb and you know turn the shimmer down so you can kind of you know you don't have to get overpowered with it you can kind of have it in there what i'm always um surprised by is uh when you have it set at very low levels you kind of don't know it's there or you kind of forget that it's there until you turn it off and then you realize oh it was doing something so here's you know clock where it's just not doing much but yeah it's... those yeah those are my favorite settings is just just a little bit so yeah I think this is a you know nice uh, a nice way to kind of create the pads and, and with the octave and a fifth regenerating it kind of um it, uh, it, you know, it creates an, another layer. Um, I'll call it like, you know, diffused for lack of a better word of just kind of like, you know, washiness, you know, happening up there. So, um, so then after that, now we've got the spring, which I mentioned before, uh, has been, uh, uh, based off the big sky. One of the things that I like about this new uh, spring algorithm is the high control, um, the way it interacts with the the, the spring uh, uh, generation is it really kind of acts a little bit like an attack, um, you know, splash or, or drip um, uh, kind of control where, you know, as you back it off, it, it kind of really, uh, it mutes that um, kind of drippy characteristic. And as you turn it up, it really kind of accentuates it. Um, so the higher it is, the more sproing you get almost, if you think of sproing yeah, as exactly. drip or something, right. Right. So, uh, like the, uh, my Princeton reverb uh, kind of dials in at about 10 o'clock. Um, you know, it's not a particularly you know, bright reverb, but it's you know, got a nice depth to it. That's probably too much decay there for a... the modulation out there too so of course now the spring has two levels of modulation in addition to off um and then uh, a lot of the outboard reverbs well they have a tone control but they can get really splashy and bright Back to the bridge pickup here. Compared to that, to rolling it. And then the um, the outboard uh, reverbs had a uh, a decay adjustment where a plate would would damp uh, the the spring action, and as it did that, it really kind of took out all the low vibration of the, of the spring. So you're left with a really kind of you know bright splash, splashy spring, which probably most people didn't set the the unit to be that way. But um, you know if you wanted to, you can remove the low, crank the high, bring the decay down. It's a cool sound. That's a super yeah. cool sound. You can, uh, yeah, bring the mix down and kind of make it a little more, uh, you know, just uh, of a ambient uh, enhancement. There. So now with the shimmer on the spring, it's a challenge to figure out, you know, what's the right, uh, you know, voice or effect. Uh, that would really complement a spring. You know, with the plate and room, you know, you can look at you know ambient, um, you know, pad type of type of tones to you know enhance you know big lush chords. But with the spring, um, it didn't really seem to to fit right. In fact, the the only time I heard anyone make mention of the shimmer mode and the spring algorithm on the original Blue Sky was someone had posted 
uh, in a forum that they thought it was broken because it just made a bunch of weird noises. So, um, it's not broken, sir. Just you, you don't yeah, you don't it, use it, it the does, way. <laughs> it make, yes, it makes weird noises, but yeah. it's uh, it's not broken. So we thought, okay, so here's an opportunity to um, to improve that. Uh, you know what what would work. Um, so we ended up uh, started we started thinking about how about octave down. Um, instead of octave up or, you know, uh, pitches up, that might kind of complement, you know, the mood or vibe of a spring or tones that might be used with a spring. Sure. So we came up with, uh, you know, a, a process where you're, you know, as you create the octave down, um, you kind of pay attention to points where you're, you've got to kind of catch back up to reality and um, uh, apply an LFO envelope and essentially create uh, an octave down that's got a trem effect that um, kind of doesn't have other artifacts that get associated with other, you know, methods of creating um, octave down. So we did that and uh, uh, came up with something where you have this like uh, increasing amplitude at, at a slow frequency for the first half of the shimmer knob. Right. And then once you get past that first half, you're at kind of maximum intensity. And then the, uh, frequency of the uh, of that LFO effect on the shimmer um, increases. So uh, it seemed like it was, you know a bit of departure from the previous shimmer philosophies, but it also seemed like something that you know was appropriate and, and fit the idea of a spring. So that sounds like this. Let's get some uh, a little uh, modulation off. It's, you know, it creates a, you know, another palette of, of sounds to play with and, you know, kind of reminds you of like, I don't know, spaghetti, Western and baritone guitars and, uh, you know, tremolos and reverbs and things. Um, so, uh, you know, you can take it to extreme by, you know, let's turn up the low and the high and the, the decay and the mix go full wet and uh, full shimmer and uh, get some. Uh, You're arming a reverb. You're totally arming yes. a reverb. I love it. We'll go full, uh, uh, full, um, Deep modulation here too. Uh, so not not your typical spring sound, but just a. Uh, if you felt like it, you could go there. So I think, you know, Blue Sky has gone, gone through a number of significant uh, um, changes all for, uh, for the better. And uh, yeah, we're pretty, pretty pleased with how it turned out. Thank you so much for, you know, coming here and taking the time to actually sure. show everybody what you think of this stuff and how your, your brain works. Because it's, it's cool to get an idea of how it works and what the knobs do, but also just the thought behind why they do what they do. It's like, this is what we originally came up with and this is how we thought we could make it better. And it's, I, I learned a bunch. So it's, I appreciate you actually taking the time to do this, so. Sure, my yeah. pleasure. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun to, to talk about, fun to play through them. So yeah, well, awesome. thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate cool. it. And, and thank you guys very much for, I guess I'll look at the other camera. Thank you guys very much for, uh, for taking the time to hang with us. This has been the second version of the Strycast. Remember, if you have any questions or comments or that kind of stuff, you can send us an email at strycast at strymon.net and we will see you again next time. Thanks. Cheers. <laughs>